Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle-free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more. Here's a delicate one, especially for the media. And I've heard people debate this uh, all week in different ways. We've touched on it ourselves as well. But it's a really awkward one for the media because it has all sorts of implications for us. Are sports stars, including here in Limerick, under too much pressure when it comes to dealing with the media and, of course, to some extent, social media as well? It's being raised in the context of the tennis star Naomi Osaka dropping out of the French Tennis Open after she couldn't fulfil post-match media requirements. They have to do a media conference, win or lose matches due to issues around her mental health and she made that clear and uh, she's out of the tournament now and interestingly, Wimbledon, the next big one that's coming up, are saying that they have enormous sympathy for Naomi Osaka But at the same time, they have to devise a system that's fair to everyone. And it doesn't sound as though they are going to make special provision for her if she doesn't feel up to talking to the media at uh, the Wimbledon Championship either. So it's a fascinating debate. And we have Limerick psychotherapist and good friend of the show, Judy Maloney, with us. We have Jerry Clancy, president of Limerick Lawn Tennis Club. Jerome O'Connell, a journalist uh, from the Limerick Leader, specialising in sport and Gaelic games, of course, particularly. And Dr. Louise Ryan from the sociology department of the University of Limerick um, as well. And uh, Judy, um, have you watched this with great interest, with concern, maybe with a bit of alarm about what's been going on around it? Um, morning, Joe. No, I ha- not alarm, not concern, more with interest, to be honest, because this is nothing new. This is the thing. It's been highlighted because there's a repercussion now. Naomi has come out, social media, and the reaction to that. You know, so, like, now it's getting, I suppose, the attention. But it, it's always been there. You know, this has always been the way, and unfortunately, you're right. I mean, if, when you're at that level, you have to, you find deals, um, you know, where you have to um, attend press conferences and all that. And I think it needs to change. It badly needs to change. And what I'm glad, I suppose, is that people are actually, and fellow athletes are coming out and supporting her because that's what needs to happen in order for it to change. And I don't think it's going to happen overnight. And you know, I think there's... How the, would you see it changing as a matter of interest? Well, I think balance. You know, I think really why there are such top sports athletes there at the moment and why there's these big, huge, um, you know, contracts with TV and all sorts of media. It's because we, it's, we feed on it. It's entertainment. And and that's the truth. You know, we have to own that. The more we feed on it, the more we want a piece of the athletes and what's really happening and all that. It's it's beyond the sport. So there has to be a little bit of balance. So, you know, the athletes must be protected more to a point where, you know, they'll give a certain amount, but they're not selling their lives either. But we as consumers need to understand that there are, you know, that there are repercussions to this. And not just demand pieces of flesh all the time. But I don't see anything happening in the next couple of months in terms of a huge change around. Right. It can. Deals are, you know, the deals are, t- are too big. But I think it's, it's a perfect time to start the discussion first. Yeah. Now, lots of these sports stars, of course, 
are on social media, some because they choose to be, they like to interact that way with fans. A lot of them, it's linked to massive commercial deals. And, you know, they are being paid serious money to endorse certain things on social media. And there's that aspect of it as well. And she's not, like, if you think about it, Naomi, she's 23. Like, 23. And for the amount of followers she has, she doesn't have, and it's not right against her, but she doesn't have that psychological maturity to deal with this. No 23-year-old has. But it's very much from the ground up. This is what I suppose they're expected to do. And I think the expectation needs to change. But it does have to start much slower. You know, it's not going to change over overnight. Like, oh, suddenly in the next tournament, it'll be completely different. It won't be because there's too much stake, you know, mm. put on it. The money the, the, the money is too big in it. But overall, I think we're, it's like we're exposed. We have our, literally sold ourselves on social media. So we want, you know, that, that, that kind of, um, the hunger for it is there. And only now we're dealing with the real repercussions of this. Couple Should, of gen- like last generation, they didn't have to deal with this. It was much, much different. Right. Should prominent politicians be allowed not to face the media at press conferences on the same basis? Well, no, because they're public represent- representatives, you see. There's a difference. Do you know, and I think this is the point. Just because... But maybe not to their mental health. Absolutely, and this is what I mean. A bit of consideration needs to come into it. But at the same time, if you're if you are in a job that you're publicly representing people, you need like we all have to take personal ownership and go. Am I up to this physically, mentally, emotionally? You know. And but, but, I mean, let, let's assume, yeah. for example, that somebody is elected, right? And at the point mm-hmm. that they're elected, their mental health is in one place, and they have a five-year term, and you know, they do well in politics, and they end up as a minister, for example. Yeah. And, and at a certain point, they say, look, my mental health is being impacted by having to answer questions from the media. So mm-hmm. I, I'm going to step back from that for an unspecified period until I feel better. Well, I think, you know, again, there's nothing black and white in this world. There really isn't. I think there needs to be some bit of leeway. But again, living in the real world, if you are representing people, you do need to be able to communicate. So if they need to step back from a certain amount for a certain period of time, at least are they able to communicate in other ways? Is is their mental health impacting the job as well? Do you know, because, I mean, our mental health is no different to our physical health like that. Mm. But but the the argument that was being made by the French Open was Mm. that all of the tennis stars, not just Naomi Osaka that it is actually part of the job to deal with the media and yeah. it's a mandatory press conference and it's one of the stipulations for being involved in the competition. Exactly, and I think that's what needs to change. She's an athlete. She's not a athlete. What I'm fascinated by, and I found this myself, like, yeah. it's much easier for me, just as Joe Citizen, to have sympathy for a sports star in this situation than it is a prominent politician. But the reality is that a prominent politician can have precisely the same anxiety around facing the media as Naomi Osaka outlined this week. Yeah, no, of course we are, because we're we're human at the end of the day, no matter what our skills or our talents are. We are human, we're susceptible. And as you said, you can go into something with good, healthy mental health and then it deteriorates. And I think, as I, I know personally anyway, in terms of politicians, a lot of them have suffered at different times with their mental health because they're exposed to the public so much. So I think it's a huge, it's an overall or a, um, 
an overhaul that needs to happen. Do you know, but I think in terms of in specifically we'll say with sports people, with athletes, it's so money driven. And again, it's a lot of just and, and look at how she how she, I suppose, um communicated the problem. It was on social media. Again, look, she's twenty three. She's a huge following. That's going to be her means and she's not in a good space clearly. Therefore she's not going to think about how to communicate or communicate effectively. So right. there's a huge amount of factors oh, okay. in this. You know? oh, okay, we're chatting to a Limerick psychotherapist, uh, Judy Maloney, uh, there. And uh, Jerome O'Connell, as I mentioned, of the Limerick Leader, he specialises in sports journalism, particularly Gaelic games. Uh, so nobody's talking about here. How are you, Jerome? Not too bad, Joe. Now, as I say, this is a tricky one. I mean, we work in the media and we probably don't like the media. You know, nobody likes the media in reality. Uh, I think we're probably seen as a necessary evil. And then you deal with a world where a lot of the top stars are amateurs rather than professional sports people. So where's the balance here? It's a very different, you know, there's so many different um, subplots to to this particular story. And and you've just mentioned one, the difference between amateur sports and and professional sports. You know, Gaelic Games, for instance, there isn't an obligation on on any player to, to give a... Uh, an interview after an event, whereas you know your your likes of golf and, and tennis, just to name two, um, the, you know it, it's a mandatory part of of the rules. It's it, it's in the regulations before you enter your your competition. So it, it's a different scenario in amateur sports, and and particularly there would be another difference between team sports and individual sports. Um, I, I've known many the uh, member of a team who has managed to you know be in the spotlight for upwards of fifteen years and, and never give an interview because. You know, teammates would probably step up in his place, knowing that such an individual is, you know, quietly spoken or whatever, and and just doesn't fancy it. Um, in an individual sport, you know, the spotlight is pretty much just on you, and uh, you're you're the only one that people want the answers from. So there's there's so many subplots to it. But but personally, from dealing with the amateur sports, um, you know, I've I've never quite encountered a situation where where someone has you know, point blankly said, you know, I'm not going to speak to you um, ever. But but at the same time, I have known of individuals who, you know, I wouldn't have approached because just from speaking to them casually, you know that they're a really shy individual and, you know, public speaking just wouldn't be their thing. There's, you know, we, we can all think of, of um, people in our inner circle who would just be shy and wouldn't be up for um, public speaking. And we have to remember that most sports people you know, they get involved in the sport because they love the sport. Um, it's not until they're high profile that, you know, um, dealing with the media becomes a- an aspect of that sport. Um, and for that reason, it's a peculiar one. You know, there's, yeah. there's many well, industries you go into and dealing with the, the media will be very much part of it. But when you start playing, you know, golf, tennis, rugby, Gaelic games at the age of six, seven, eight, nine and ten, you're you're not getting uh, media training at that stage for for the fact that you might but, be a star but, at the age of twenty one or two. I mean, you know better than I do that you know there are ups and downs in the relationship between the media and an individual sports person or a sports team. Probably made easier when they're on a winning streak. It's harder when they're losing. The truth is, there's an appetite from their fans and from the public uh, to hear from them, and and that's uh, part of the debate. And there are moments of real friction then where you know, you will find yourself in a situation where you have to ask questions of somebody that they don't want asked and they don't necessarily want to answer. And 
how can you determine in that situation what question may be impacting unfairly on their mental health? Yeah, like there's absolutely no doubt the worst part of my job is, you know, standing outside a, a, a losing dressing room or standing at the gate to a, to a stadium when a team has just lost and you're, you're waiting there, you know, with your dictaphone or your notebook to ask them questions. They're, they're looking at the ground as they're walking to you and unfortunately, you know, the job of men, you, you have to approach them and ask them and, and you, you know that. Um, uh, in that instance, right in that moment, I, I've never had someone say to me, look, you know, um, mentally I'm just not up to this right now. Um, but I think maybe the the last couple of days might just raise that question and, and maybe it will be something that will happen in the future. Personally speaking, I, I would have absolutely no problem with that. Um, you know, it, it, it's an illness and, you know, you, you wouldn't... Um, you, you you wouldn't be asking someone to 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 speak in that situation from my point of view, but um, you know, knowing what's the right question, what's the wrong question, it, it, it's a very difficult one. I mean, sometimes clearly you ask a question and you you can see the person pausing and whatever. Um, you know, unfortunately, pe- people do want those answers at that particular time. But as I said, mm. if someone wants to say to you. You know, mentally, I, I just don't feel up to this right now. I, I don't think well, at that stage it's up. It's the job of a journalist to, to keep pressing at that particular point. Well, yeah, and it's a very interesting one because I mean, obviously, here, you know, in, in this studio, I can think of situations, and I've thought about it a bit over the last couple of days, where I would have had people in here, you know, generally politicians, but not entirely, who might have found themselves in the eye of a controversial storm, and you know, I, I've had to ask certain questions. And I've often wondered afterwards, you know, should I be asking those questions? But you're told, well, it's your job to ask those questions. I, I think there's a, a there's a difference in my mind, and maybe it's just my mind, between sports people and politicians. You know, a, a politician puts themselves before the people to, to be elected for this job and, and are essentially paid by the people. Um, they, they know this is part of their job, um, as was stated by, by Julie. Maybe they went into the job in, in full health and, and you know, um, found certain aspects of it too much for them and, you know, their, their mental health became an issue. For, for me at that point, you know, mental health is, a, is an illness. So, I mean, you take a, you take a break from your job and, and, and you, you get help. And, and you, well, but it's you know, interesting you, you said, John, because I can think of politicians um, that I've known over the years. A couple have spoken publicly, others might have spoken privately about mental health struggles and they will point to the pressure of the job they will point to the scrutiny as part of it and they will argue that in some instances that scrutiny is entirely unreasonable yeah there's absolutely no doubt some of the the scrutiny they're put under is is unreasonable and it's probably a, a wider societal debate really more than anything else isn't it you know the expectation um that, that we have of people in in all walks of life, really. Um, if if Naomi Osaka has has done anything, she has thrown this out there to, to be mm. a public debate, which is a great thing. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, from a sports point of view, we criticise you know performances of of stars every day of the week. Do do we ever stop to think that you know maybe they're just having a bad day or you know just going through something in their personal life at the moment okay. that would have affected them? Uh, um, all right. It, 
Well, listen, stay with me, please. I, I need to take a, a short break and uh, I want to talk more um, about this. We have a couple of other guests on the line as well. It's a fascinating, fascinating discussion, really, over the last few days and all the different angles that we've been forced to think about. Uh, we're having a very interesting chat about the local implications of the Naomi Osaka debate uh, that uh, has been happening across the week. And we have psychotherapist Judy Maloney, Jerry Clancy, who's president of Limerick Lawn Tennis Club, Jerome O'Connell from the Limerick Leader, and Dr. Louis. Louise Ryan from UL Sociology Department uh, with us. Now, Louise, you did a PhD and it looked at Instagram and CrossFit athletes. Did you feel that they felt the pressure to keep up appearances online? Yeah, um, good morning. Thanks for having me this morning to be part of this discussion. So my PhD research, yeah, a part of it, I was looking at Instagram and CrossFit athletes. So for CrossFit athletes, they absolutely felt the pressure to keep up appearances online, particularly using Instagram, YouTube and Twitter. But the difference um, between the CrossFit athletes that I would have been looking at and the particular case of Naomi Osaka is that CrossFit is by and large an amateur sport. So while people can earn cash prizes from winning competitions, the bulk of their income is when they reach a certain level in the competitive sphere of CrossFit, they obtain sponsorship deals and brand collaborations or affiliations. So, And that is very much leveraged by their social media profiles. So that's where they would feel and they recognize the pressure in maintaining a presence online and having a very engaged and an active social media following. With professional tennis players, it's slightly different. So their social media profile and the the levels of engagement that they would generate on social media come after, you know, they have demonstrated the fact that, you know, they're ranked in the top 10 tennis players in the world. And they would have contracts and sponsorship deals with, you know, big brands like Nike and things like that. But with tennis, it's slightly different. It's slightly more formalized and, you can you can kind of be guaranteed that those professional tennis players of the kind of standing that Naomi Osaka has, they will have a level of support in terms of there'll be a PR team, there'll be a communications um, panel or a management agency that will do their best to help these tennis players negotiate the levels of publicness that they will maintain. So Naomi Osaka's by and large, wildly successful. She's incredibly talented. That has been recognised and acknowledged by many people. She is 23 years old. She does have a massive social media following. But the statement that she would have released um, initially on Twitter about withdrawing from the competition and, and saying she needed to put her mental health first and she needed to put herself first, that most likely would have been, you know, formalised and drafted with some input from a communications strategist or from an an agent or an agency. So there would have been some sort of support structure there for her. That's not to say that she wasn't put in a very difficult position and she did have to compromise. You know, she withdrew from a really important tournament yeah. beca- because of this pressure that she was facing. So it doesn't necessarily matter that she had those supports in place 
it still is a really difficult public position. Right. And, and of course, your tennis, um, it's a popular sport in many parts of the world, including here in Limerick. Uh, but uh, it's still, I think, fair to say largely a minority sport when you compare it to football, let's say, um, worldwide. And uh, Jerry Clancy is president of Limerick Lawn Tennis Club. Do you think that it is reasonable to say that tennis players should only have to do what they do. In other words, appear on court, play their matches and move on to the next match and that there should be no reason for them to interact with the media at all. It's, it is, you I mean, the, the whole debate that has been introduced is extremely interesting and extremely complicated. I mean, your panel there has touched on a lot of aspects of it and uh, it's not an easy question to answer. I mean, we have seen in Limerick some great individuals over the past 20 years or so who have striven to uh, to break into the top ranks of tennis. And it's an extremely difficult thing to do. We had uh, Gina Nyland in the 90s. We had Connor Nyland in the noughties. And in recent years, we've had Sam Barry. And it's a very, very difficult, you know, for our, for Irish player players, it, it's virtually impossible. But for anybody who wants to get to the Naoma Osaka level, it does demand an awful lot. And we look at players like Nadal and we look at Federer and these top-class players and we see, you know, how brilliant they are, how strong-minded they are, how how they can concentrate and, and squeeze every little bit out of themselves to win, you know, against great odds. And many people will ask themselves, you know, how can these people have difficulty talking to the media, you know? And one of your earlier contributors said something like, you know, we demand this. Unfortunately, we do. Uh, We like to see our heroes talk. We like to see them perform. And we we do want to see, get a piece of them, as has already been said. Now, I do believe that Osaka has had a lot of issues. He is a very, very committed individual to uh, various causes, especially Black Lives Matter. He has put her name on the line previously. But given all of that, she is known to be an extremely shy and uh, not the best performer in front of the media. So, uh, you know, is it is it fair to expose her? Is it fair, fair, fair to expose anybody? It's a very, very difficult question. I think myself that Roland Garros overreacted a little bit on this. I think that Wimbledon hasn't shown much understanding either. And I do believe that a middle ground has to be found where these people do perform on court and do their bit for the media as well. Because everybody likes to see these people answer questions and, and if you like, give a piece of an insight into their performances. So I think a way has to be found, but I do believe it will take time. The, need, the, 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 the commercial interests are huge and it's not going to be an easy thing to say. Yeah. And Jerome O'Connell, I mean, the bottom line, I suppose, from, from the, the media's point of view is that, you know, we need this cooperation, don't we? Or, or actually, is that just a perception? I mean, could you manage without that sort of either media conference scenario or one-to-one or anything? If basically your job was, there's the match, report on the match, move on. I, I, think, I think it's a changing world, Joe. You know, the, 
the, the interviews of, of sports stars and post-match, you know, press conferences probably is beginning to become outdated. Um, it, it was probably a, a, an, as, a, an opportunity for sports fans to identify with, you know, the individuals and, and to hear their thoughts on certain things. The reality now is, even at amateur sport level, they all have massive social media channels and, you, you know, that that's what younger people in particular would now identify with. Um, if they want to get their thoughts on relevant things, so many of them are so, so active on social media. I, I do think, to be honest, that the, the press conference from a sporting side of things is actually becoming redundant. Um, in, in most cases, you know... Yeah, but, but the thing about that, Jerome, is you'll never get to ask, and I'm, I mean this genuinely now and respectfully, you'll never get to ask a thoughtful question of somebody if social media is the only channel. No, but uh, but I mean in, in general the, the non-stop press conferences. I'm not sure there's, there's a, oh, yeah. a need for. I, I, th- I think there, you, I've, I've sat at press conferences too. You, you still need your one-on-one um, interview w- with sports stars um, um, on an occasion. Um, I just feel that in in terms of the straight press conference, to be honest, you know the answers you're going to get you do, before you ask the question, yeah. and I think the reader probably does at this stage as well. Of course, you you need the the one-on-one. Um, interview with the stars and I think to be honest that, that's the, the real way that you'll find out what someone actually is feeling and thinking and, and how they're developing their, their sport at that particular time the, right. the instant um, press conferences to be honest you know I mean you can read one from two years ago and it could probably apply to, <laughs> to, to something that's happening um, in, in a week's time yes, yes. and if that's the particular um, you know kernel of, of this issue with Naomi Osaka you know, it is a broader question, but it's certainly something that the TV rights and, and the regulations can look at down the line. Because um, I, I, you know, personally speaking, I think it's redundant. And the sports stars are selling their sport on their chosen field of play anyway. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily think it needs to be mandated anymore okay. for them to be giving these sound bites. Okay. All right. Listen, really interesting. Thank you very much for that. Jerome O'Connell from the Limerick Leader, Dr. Louise Ryan from UL Sociology's Department, Jerry Clancy, who's the president of Limerick Lawn Tennis Club, and Limerick psychotherapist Judy Maloney. Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Let's talk business with Ford Lease. Hassle free vehicle leasing. Search Ford Lease to find out more.